everyone there that day knew this was going to be an unforgettable moment in history. There they were in these hallowed halls they had been in many times before, but there was something, there was something in the air that made them know this was going to be like no other point in their life. Everyone seated in Congress that day sat on the very edge of their seat, ready to hang on this general's every last word. General stood up, pushed back his chair, his hands reaching out to grip the podium. This was going to be a last goodbye unlike any other. General Douglas MacArthur, an Army veteran of 52 years, was saying goodbye to the calling that had become his very identity. This American hero, Medal of Honor recipient, West Point, he was the top graduate in his class, served in the Philippine-American War, World War I, World War II, and the Korean War. He was going to say goodbye to the calling, the duty, that he gave most of his existence to. As he looked back on five-plus decades of service, of a duty that really became no choice for him at all, it became a part of who he was as a person, he looks back at all this and listened to what he considered to be his greatest military legacy. He said this, I now close my military career and just fade away. An old soldier who tried to do his duty as God gave him the light to see that duty. Goodbye. His duty became his undivided allegiance, his very identity. That's who he was. That's what he fought for. That's the army to which he belonged. Now, there's something about the last words of a person, especially somebody that you love dearly. You think about the last thing they ever said to you, and those words just keep coming back to you throughout your life. Why are we so focused on the meaning of that? What's the significance of that? I think you guys know. Now, often those last moments of life, you get a little glimpse into the deepest part of that person's soul. It's a once-in-a-lifetime moment where you get to see the purpose that drove them, the passions they had. I know that I haven't heard your last words. Obviously, you're here today, right? And yet I know inside of each one of your hearts, there's a purpose there. A purpose that goes beyond this life, in fact. A cause that is an eternal difference maker. You are all soldiers under the cross. And you take commands from the greatest leader of all time, the greatest victorious general who ever lived. And yet there are forces coming at you every moment of every day. They're trying to make you make a choice to enlist in a far different army, to abandon your post under God. And I think it was that enemy that was on the mind of another distinguished and accomplished military leader a man who, too, was saying his last goodbye to the people in the army that he loved so dearly. Joshua, for his, most of his life, had served God's people. He was there as a slave. He saw all the incredible plagues, the way that God delivered his people. He was there when they passed through the Red Sea, looking like they had no place to go, but God opened this incredible way for them to cross. He was a special assistant to Moses, one of the top spies in the Israelite intelligence community. And he discovered the greatest intel of all, that there was nothing and no one that could stop God from keeping his promises, from giving them victory, giving them a home. 
He was a military leader that had victory after victory. He was God's selected leader of Israel. And as he looks at his people for one last time, he knew what was at stake. Here they were at this place, Shechem, which I know at first glance doesn't seem like a big deal, but this is huge. This is where God called Jacob Israel, renamed him. This is the birthplace of this nation. And on this hallowed ground, Joshua stands. As the eyes of millions look at him, these people had been refugees for 40 years, finally had a place to set down roots, finally had a place to call home. With tears on their eyes, they see the man who brought them here. I can just imagine Joshua getting this wry smile on his face as he tells them exactly what they need to know. He says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. Instead of making this moment all about him, which he totally had the right to, he lets God do the talking. He reminds them of God's incredible grace that shows their family, even though there was nothing that family did to earn that. In fact, the ancestors of the people of Israel, not just they didn't just wor- not worship God. They chose other gods to worship, other gods to give their allegiance to. But God, he chose them anyway. And he gave them this incredible inheritance and incredible promises. And yet as Joshua looked at his people, he saw that these descendants were making the same wrong choices. There were still these gods that were going at it in their hearts, trying to take away their spiritual conviction from the one true God. And our God is so jealous for our hearts. He was then, He is now. If there's a bit of our heart that isn't quite convicted in Him, He's going to pursue us out of His love. He's going to draw us back to Him. And yet so often, you and I, we have this struggle. And we hear the voice of the other commanders, of the gods of this world, trying to tell us which army we should serve in. Can you picture yourself in that crowd of millions that day? Can you feel the grass by your sandaled toes, the Preston shoulders on either side of you? Can you see Joshua's face? Do his words give you pause? Do you think about the times in your life when you did choose the meaningless and fake gods of this world? It's a sad reality for you and me that by nature we look to gods that aren't really gods at all to find answers. We look to the gods of success, thinking if we just hit this point in the company, if we just get this respect in the workplace, we'll have it all. People will look at us, they'll give us value, they'll give us the self-worth we've been looking for. You know that isn't going to give you the answer to that battle. We're the gods of pleasure and escape. When we're going through guilt and shame, we're trying to make it through, navigating through this battlefield that is life. We take these detours thinking that'll get us on the right track. That will make us feel okay, but find ourselves even more lost than before. These gods that want us to change sides. Mid-battle. Gods that know that there's, there is only one way to life. They don't want you and me to have any part of it. Do you have the same urge that I have in my heart at times? The urge that there has to be something more to this. You know, I know what Jesus says, that he's the only way, the only truth, the only life. And I look at my life and I see all the times he's come through for me, all the times that that has been exactly true. And yet, I find this impulse within me that wants something more, that looks for something more when there isn't anything more than Jesus. There can't be. 
instead of looking to the place where I find who I really am, and that's in Christ. Instead of looking to the place where I find a God who will always love me and will always forgive me and will always lead me, instead of looking to the fact that I'm in God's family, there's nothing, there's no better status in the world, and yet I can't help but look for more. You know what I'm talking about? Here we have a God who's completely committed to us, who is totally devoted to us, and yet we can't keep our commitment to Him, right? Many of you stood before this very altar on your confirmation day and you made that promise that not even the threat of death would take you away from Jesus. Not even that would make you desert your post in His army. And yet for so far less, we have done just that. We've chosen to run away from the calling and purpose He's given to us. We've chosen a different commander. Instead of listening on every word of the king, the ultimate leader, instead of it being an automatic to follow him, we look for more. We're ashamed of him. We run. And as you and I start to drop our heads in shame, thinking through all the ways that we haven't been the soldier we wish we were, you remember what Joshua said before he called his people to throw away anything and everything that got in the way of total spiritual allegiance to God. You remember what he said? He said this, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. And it's that last word that just keeps reverberating in your heart. Faithfulness. You think of the moments in your life where you felt chained to that one sin that gets you every single time. No matter how hard you try, the sin you never wanted in the first place, you just can't beat it. You remember the times in your life when you felt like there was no way out, those Red Sea moments where the gods of your past, that shame, that guilt that keep following you, were just barreling in. You're looking ahead at your future and you don't know how to move forward. Then you think about where you're standing, where you're sitting right now. And you look around God's house and you look at that cross up there and you remember, you remember that Christian friend that in the most heartbreaking, heartbreaking moment you ever experienced was there for you, prayed with you, stood by your side. You think of that time in your life where things were so confusing and there was so much fear everywhere, so much stress on your back, so much confusion, and you're just paging through your Facebook feed, and all of a sudden this Bible passage shows up, and it reminded you of who you are. It reminded you that the sin you struggle with doesn't define you, but Jesus does. And you think about the people that are around you right now, the people that have been called by God himself to encourage you, to stand up with you in the foxholes of this life, to defend you, to guard you to fight with you. I mean, the ways that God's faithfulness come at us, it's so diverse. It's so incredible. I mean, God's love is just flat out scary. And that's the whole fear thing that Joshua is getting at. When you read that in Scripture, it's not God saying, okay, be afraid of me, be terrified of me, hide away in a corner because you can't handle me. No. It's this kind of fear, this awe, this amazement. When you're Like when you're on the beach or in the mountains, you see a sunrise. And you stand there and you think, I am so small. You, you see the beauty of the colors. You see the majesty of this creation. And then you take a further step back and you think about the Creator Himself who put this all together, who in fact had you personally in His mind and heart when He was putting all of this together. When He put His whole plan of salvation in, 
when he set it all up, you were the number one thing on his heart. Then you start thinking about it. And you think, how could I even have another choice? Where could I find another station in life where I'm going to see this transforming grace? Where I'm going to see Christ giving me everything that I need? Where I'm going to see a purpose that nothing in this life can take away from me? A cause that makes eternal differences. And you start seeing your God. And you start seeing how His faithfulness in every moment, His spotless record of deliverance is there for you. God's love is just flat out scary. And it's so scary, in fact, that your enemies, all the forces of sin and death, they can't touch you. In fact, God's love, it goes even further. It's so scary that God actually chooses to be vulnerable with you. He wants you to call Him your God. He wants you to bear your soul to Him. Just as He bore His soul when He sent His own Son, deployed His own Son to this battlefield, who crossed that no man's land that we couldn't cross, and gave us a victory we never thought we'd see. How can we have another choice? Why would we want another choice? How can we not help but passionately pick up the calling He's given us and march at His orders? How can we not shout with every last cell in our body the battle cry of Joshua? But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When the false gods of this world come at you, the gods of your past, the gods of your present surround you, stand defiantly against them. When you think of your household, just like Joshua did, you think of your kids, your grandkids, see those little moments of grace that are there. See the fact that you've been called as an ambassador to them. That they can see their Heavenly Father's heart through you. Where the calling you have is so much more than just molding them into being the child you want them to be, but letting them see and experience God's transforming grace through you. As you stand with the millions of Christians who have gone before you and who are with you now throughout the world, the millions of Christians that you're going to be with forever in heaven one day, just like these children of Israel, you respond to this incredible news and you say, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. He has protected us in our entire journey. We too will serve the Lord because He is our God. See, God chose you. He chose you and me even though we did nothing to earn that commissioning. And that just is so life-changing to know. Because you're going to face moments, and you already have, where your Christ-centered conviction is going to be challenged. You're going to be shamed for it. You're going to feel disrespect because of it. And there are going to be times you can almost feel Jesus' love there looking at you and saying, are you going to leave me? You're not going to leave me too, are you? And you respond with the same words that Peter did. You don't have a choice but to follow him. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have a God who not only has never lost a battle for you, he's never going to give you a dishonorable discharge. He is the God that you can have this closest relationship with, this deepest sense of community. He is our God and we are his people. And so when we think about all the callings God has given us in life, all the vocations that we have where we get to serve Jesus, it's just humbling. I mean, parents, think about it. You get to every day walk into your kid's room 
and think to yourself, I get to show them Jesus today. And kids, you get to look at your parents not as these people who are trying to control every aspect of your life, but people that God specifically put there for you. So that you could walk with your Savior every moment of your life. That you could fight those battles and have victory because you know you have Jesus fighting with you. And that's why there is no other choice when you're a Christian soldier. There's no other place where we want to be. There's no other army in which we want to serve. We march behind our Lord's words. A word that is, it's like an oasis-like sound. We find everything we're looking for. And so much more. So dear Christian soldier, don't forget who you really are. The recommissioning that was given you in your baptism. Your identity that makes it impossible for you to choose anybody and anything else but Jesus. As you go through your life this week, and you're confronted with those enemies once again, enemies you know all too well, remember two things. Number one, remember God's faithfulness. The God who has seen it through that you would be with him forever, he's going to see this through too. He's going to see it through to the point that you can laugh in the face of your enemies. They can't do a thing to you. Choose Jesus because he's the only choice. You don't want any other choices. And march on. Amen. And to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be all glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen.